A formal good morning again to you all. Uh, shall we come to God in prayer? So speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness for Jesus' sake. Amen. <clears throat> for our final OT50, we travel forward about 340 years from where we were with Jonah yesterday. And uh, we find ourselves about 100 years after the exile and God's people starting to return home to the promised land. Uh, the second exodus was not uh, an overnight thing like when in Egypt. It was in three phases over a period of about 100 years when about 50,000 people returning in the first phase. Malachi lived at the time when the third group under the prophet Nehemiah returned. It is the last book of the Old Testament, as we know, after which there is what we call the 400 silent years when there, uh, when there was no open revelation from God. And the next we know in Bible terms are the Gospels when Messiah is born. So what of Malachi, the person? Scarcely anything to say on this that I can find anyway. His ministry is shown as 440 to 430 BC. And his name means messenger. Beyond that, we don't seem to know anything more about Malachi. What then of the book, the prophecy? And so it is our final destination, not only in the OT50 series and in terms of the books of the Bible, but it's our final destination uh, for traveling in the TARDIS. And we end our travel in the TARDIS through time today, only to be met with a roller coaster. Things have not changed. Israel are still on their roller coaster experience spiritually in terms of their relationship with God. God's people had arrived back in the land, and first the temple, followed eventually by the city walls of Jerusalem, had all been rebuilt, and the worship of God had also been restored. The nation had not only returned to the land, they had returned to the Lord. Hallelujah. But here we are again, back on that roller coaster, and they are back in the depths again. And for all the same reasons that we have come to know as we've gone through the series uh, of devotions that we have. And so again, the word of the Lord comes to Israel through Malachi. The prophecy seems to be in two parts. Part one from uh, uh, chapter one to chapter two, verse 16, where not surprisingly, we again find God rebuking Israel for their unfaithfulness. The prophecy actually starts on a beautiful note, a promising start, and where God is affirming his love for Israel. I have loved you, says the Lord, but there's not the response from them that he is looking for. He finds his people, Israel, in a tetchy mood. 
How have you loved us, they reply. They want to have an argument with God. And it's this that sets the tone of the prophecy. Every time the Lord wants to speak to them regarding their conduct and their behavior towards him, they don't want to listen, they want to argue. Last week when Morris was giving us that brief look in Proverbs and we were thinking about wisdom, wanting to argue with God doesn't seem to be a very wise thing to want to do. Something is clearly wrong. And God goes on to show us what it is. Uh, in chapter 1, in verses 6 to 14, we see that, first of all, the priests had become careless in their worship. God says, it is you priests who show contempt for my name. And still in their tetchy mood, they argue back, how have we shown contempt for your name? by offering defiled food on my altar, says God. But you ask, how have we defiled you? Priests, of course, were responsible for setting the spiritual tone of the nation. They were the spiritual leaders. But standards had badly declined, and an attitude of anything will do for God had become the order of the day. Everything with worship was all too much trouble. It was a burden. But God's covenant law called for the best for God. The people had become deceitful. The attitude had trickled down from the priests, the spiritual leadership, uh, into how the people were behaving. And they had become deceitful, thinking that they could deceive God. They would vow to give of their best, the best of their flocks for God, but then offer a blemished animal. People needed to remember who God was. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Then secondly, in uh, chapter 2, 1 to 9, the priests had become careless in their ministry, careless in their worship, careless in their ministry. God was going to judge the priests. They had failed in their teaching of the law. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, says God, because he is a messenger of the Lord Almighty and people seek instruction from his mouth. But you have turned away from the, sorry, you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. Priests had become careless in their worship. They had become careless in their ministry, and it had affected the people. But then in chapter 2, in verses 10 to 16, we see that the people had become careless in their conduct. And the matter that God takes issue with is their marriage relationships. Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? There were three areas where God put his finger. Men were marrying women who worshipped foreign gods. And we know well by now what God thought of that. 
Men were being unfaithful to their wives. And we know what God thinks of that. And men were divorcing their wives. By being unfaithful in the marriage relationship, the men were being unfaithful to God. So God condemns them. And we need to remember that all sin ultimately is against God, even those sins that we commit against one another. We were reminded of that a little while ago. So we come to part two. And uh, that's chapter two, verse 17, through to the end of the book of Malachi. And in that part two, that second section of the book, we find that the coming of the Lord is announced. Hallelujah. A bright note at last. Or is it? Sadly, God's people had, as we have seen, become touchy with God, argumentative. They had become corrupt. They were cynical in their faith. And it seems that they had become really quite confused in their thinking. They were saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or where is the God of justice? All right, says God, I will send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But are you ready for him? <laughs> but are you ready for him? Did they realize what it would be like when he comes? Malachi says he was going to be a refiner. He was going to be a purifier for both the priesthood and the people so that he receives what he looks for offerings of righteousness that will be acceptable to the lord and sometimes as we well know we are told we need to be careful what we ask for so i will come says the lord to put you on trial i'll be quick to testify against sorcerers and adulterers and perjurers against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you of justice, but do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. God is holy and God looks for righteousness in his people. And then in chapter three, uh, verses six to 12, uh, we find God's call to the nation to be careful with their giving to God. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Here they go again. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, says the Lord. And here they go. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, says the Lord, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there be maybe food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough 
to store it. And then in verses 13 to 18 of chapter 3, God's call to the nation to be careful in their service for God. You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. And yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it's futile to serve God. What a thing to say. It's futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? At this point, we may well ask, is the prophecy of Malachi just all doom and gloom? Is there nothing this morning on this final uh, devotion in OT50 that would uh, lift our spirits? Are there no rays of hope? Thankfully, I think there may be two. First of all, God said that there are those who loved him. There are those who love God. Just a gleam of ray, of light, a glimmer of hope. And we read that those who feared the Lord talked with each other. And the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. And on that day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. God will come back. He will refine. He will purify. But there will be those who love God. And righteousness will be seen. And justice will be seen. In the day of the Lord will come. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will, will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. And so OT 50 comes to an end. And the next book that we read, of course, in the Bible is the New Testament. And it's Matthew. And we're met with that long genealogy that traces back through the Old Testament to Abraham and then connects it all with Messiah, who comes as Emmanuel, God with us, but also Jesus, the Savior. And we learn of God's salvation story. And uh, so as a consequence of all of that, as a result of all of that, this morning we're able to stand at this point. We're able to look back and review now that coming to earth of the Lord Jesus as Messiah. All is promised in the Old Testament. But this morning, too, we're also able to look forward to uh, that other day that is coming, when he comes for us. And for that day when uh, Jesus ultimately will be acknowledged as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Salvation indeed is of the Lord, as Jonah said. Hallelujah. Salvation is of the Lord.